discover the possibilities of internal medicine. Hello, everyone. My name is Alan Aboud. I am a rising second year medical student at the Renaissance School of Medicine at Stony Brook University. And with me today is Dr. Indrapal Chabra, an internal medicine physician who runs his own private practice. Dr. Chabra has over 20 years of experience in managing complex medical conditions in adult and geriatric populations. He has been a leader in the physician community. He is a former president of Queens County Medical Society and the Medical Society of Long Island Jewish Medical Center. He is also a source for many other physicians and has trained a lot of residents and medical students over the years. Dr. Chabra, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Nice to be on the stage with you, Alan. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. So today's podcast will be about the different aspects of starting and owning a private practice and the challenges that come with it. But before we get there, can you tell us a little about yourself and what you currently do? So, yeah, so just as a bit bit of a background, I went to medical school in in New Delhi in India, and it was uh, tough for me to get a residency. That's why I ended up in the United States. No, I'm just kidding. It's because (laughs) when I was a medical student in India, all the textbooks, all the articles, all the journals, they were all citing American literature. So I was like, forget about trying to find the answer, let me go to the source. So that's how I ended up coming to the United States. Uh, so I did my residency in the hospital in Brooklyn called Brookdale. So after I finished my residency, I started working for a cardiologist in the local area. So that gave me a glimpse of private practice. I mean, it was almost by design that I ended up in private practice because growing up, I had seen my grandfather practice. I, the front of the house was his clinic. And the back of the house was where everybody lived. It was a big family and everybody lived together. It was six, seven kids all crammed together, all the grandkids growing up together. So it was, it was fun to see him practice at the front. I didn't even realize that, that that's what I was imbibing. I was imbibing how to be a country physician, how to be a primary care doctor. So that's how I got my start. And uh, after my first job with the cardiologist, Another opportunity came up for me to work with a friend of mine, and I worked with him for a couple of years. And then I decided to hang my own shingle, as they used to say. I uh, looked for a place to practice. I actually researched. Uh, I'm from India. I'm a South Asian descent. So I looked up where majority of the South Asian population in New York City area lives. And uh, that's where I looked, and that's where I ended up coming. That's a very unique um, story. And I'm sure the commute from the back of the house to the clinic must have been very short. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. From my uh, grandfather, of course it was, yeah. Yeah. So why did you choose internal medicine as a specialty? All right, that's another thing. It's all because of mentors. So when I was in medical school, uh, second year, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. So uh, a family member of mine, a cousin of mine, introduced me to an internist and said, like, instead of wasting your time during the summer break, why don't you go hang out with him in his clinic? And he was a great mentor. He, I hung out with him and during summertime and even after, whenever I would catch a few hours, I would just go over to his clinic and see patients with him. It was a tiny little box of a clinic, mm-hmm. but he was busy and he was a great teacher. And uh, I learned a lot from him. And not just about medicine as such, academics, but how to be a doctor. This is a serious business that we are in. So we've got to be careful for how we talk, how we present ourselves, how the etiquette of taking care of patients. So he taught me a lot. So your mentor had a huge impact on you in shaping your career aspect. Yep. 
That's wonderful. You mentioned you, you started from seeing 10 patients a day, and now you're clearly a very busy uh, physician. What does a typical day look like? When I started, it was actually 10 patients in a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> very different from now. <laughs> yeah. So my wife is also an internist. So both of us used to sit down in our in our office and eat snacks and uh, doors and then that's how we used to pass our day. It took about five or six years before I got busy enough to quit my part-time job in a nursing home. So uh, typical day, I get out of the house. I'm a lazy guy. I don't get out of the house bright and early like other physicians do. <laughs> I get out of the house. At, like today, I got out at 10 o'clock in the morning. But before 10 o'clock, I had a couple of business phone calls to make, like talking about my billing, talking about EMR integration of other things. So, And then I have, I think I'll be done by around five, six o'clock at the most. It's like I set my own schedule. So I have my office hours till about five. And then after that, catching up on notes, catching up on patients' phone calls, catching up on administrative things. It's entirely on you. You want to do it right now? You want to do it later? It's entirely upon you. Those are the perks of opening your own practice, I guess. We physicians, we can learn a lot. We have been learning a lot all our lives. We will be learning a lot throughout our lives. Throwing another thing, it is an alien concept, marketing and business planning and talking to a banker and how to market yourself, but it's it's not. It's really not. Okay. If you just finished your pedi- pediatrics rotation and next time you go to go to orthopedics, our pediatrics is totally different from orthopedics, right? That is very true. We could, we could, if you could learn that, then we could learn anything. That is very true. So I guess you're saying have a solid foundation in your training and focus on right. that at first. And right. once you have the hang of it, uh, right. move on to right. learning something new. Right. Okay. So with healthcare systems on the rise, do you foresee any challenges or have you experienced any challenges for independent private practitioners? When they first came out, we were very worried about minute clinics and CVS and urgent cares all over. Mm-hmm. It turned out that the bond that you develop between your patient and yourself in private practice is stronger than anything else. They may go for convenience, but they will come right back to you. That's the bond that we develop with our patients. And as a matter of fact, they were trying to hook up with some IPAs that you refer your patients, mm-hmm. instead of sending them from the ER, send them to us and we'll make sure that you get back a report. It's not competitive, it can be collaborative also. The other challenge is really the hospital systems around Long Island that like on, on my side of Long Island, there's a lot of uh, things happening. So it's interesting times for corporate practice of medicine. The way you distinguish yourself as your own boss, as your own, as a private practitioner is by going that extra mile for that patient, by making sure that the, if the patient's uh, prescription is not covered, making sure that they get the prior authorization, making sure that they get an alternative. It has to come from the heart. You cannot, it cannot be fake. You have to take care of from patients from your heart. Okay. So from your personal experience, what are the pros and cons? I know there's a lot, but just the highlights of pros and cons of working in a private practice versus a, being employed for a hospital. The pros, of course, are you your own, your own boss. Yeah. You set your own hours. You set your own uh, timings. You set your own. You don't want to work Saturdays. Don't work Saturdays. You want to work every single day, seven days a week. Go ahead. That sounds if you amazing. want to open your office uh, five o'clock in the evening till eight o'clock at night, go ahead, do that. By the way, that's a great time slot because nobody's open at that time. <laughs> People are coming when they come home. That's when they have time to go to the doctor. Or, but that's the timing aspect of it. You're on your own boss. Taxes, you save a ton on taxes when you're on, when you're on boss. 
So if you read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kawasaki, that, that book that came out a few years ago. A few decades yes, I've ago, read that book. Yeah, so the, one, of the, one of the lessons of that book is that if you, are, you're, if you have your own business, you pay taxes after your expenses. Exactly. But if you are on a salary, you pay taxes before your expenses. Yeah, that's, that's why a lot of people choose to buy health insurance through their uh, jobs. Right. So, and then, so those are the biggest pros and for me personally. The cons, of course, is you're responsible. Everything that goes on your practice, it's entirely on you. If the bathroom is not flushing right, it's on you. That's on you. Yeah. If the, uh, if the EMR is not working, it's on you. Unless you have a good office manager who can take care of all these hassles for you. That's what I was going to say. That's where having the right resources can come very exactly. helpful and beneficial in the long right. run. So now that we're coming towards the end of the interview, do you recommend young docs graduating out of residency to practice in a private setting or, um, or stick to hospitals for, for a little bit before they move on to opening their own private practice? You know, I would love more people to come into private practice because this is a dying breed. We love, as physicians, we love to complain about the, the uh, ACPs that are the advanced care practices, practitioners who are taking us taking over, if we don't step up, that field, we are giving up on primary care. We're giving up on internal medicine. It's a, for us, for our own sake, for the sake of our profession, we have to come into private practice. And I think by now, it kind of, should be kind of clear to the audience that it's not hard. It is a challenge, just like going to, into another fellowship is a challenge, just like taking the boards is a challenge. It's just another challenge. And by now, if you've made it through uh, high school, if you've made it through uh, college, if you made it through medical school, you're up to the challenge. What is the most rewarding part of working in your specialty or in your setting? Just to end on the a good personal day. bond that you create with the patients, the personal connections that you make with the patients. That is absolutely outstanding. There was a family, uh, husband, wife, and their grown-up daughter who was coming to me. The wife had COPD and she would be spending most of the time in the hospital more than outside. So in my mind, I thought of it as a challenge that in about six months, I want her to have a better life. I want her to make sure that she spends more time at home rather than out in the hospital. And just by my medical expertise, I was able to change that. By talking to the patient, by making sure that uh, we take care of her properly, that patient stopped going to the hospital. I think after that, she may have gone to the hospital maybe once or twice before she passed away. So that was an incredibly satisfying thing for me as a physician. I agree with you. It's the personal bond with patients. That's all, that's the reason why a lot of people decide to become physicians. Right. Sure. Do you have anything else to add? I mean, it's, it's uh, first of all, there are two challenges that we deal with, that I deal with in my practice until when it comes to my interactions with the students and the residents. Number one, how do I get people excited about internal medicine as a as a as an option? And number two, how do I get people excited about primary care outside of the hospital? And I think the problem really is that people get comfortable. Like you're a medical student, you're a resident, you're staying majority of the time is spent inside the hospital. You like it. That's what you're comfortable. That's your comfort zone. Coming outside, going to the clinic is outside of your comfort zone. You know what? You're just thrown out. I was as a resident. I was just thrown out. See this patient, prescribe some medications, let them go. So this really, 
look for good mentors. If you have a good mentor who can tell you the ropes, that is perfect. And that's what I do in my own office, actually. I get residents. I get, uh, uh, until, until a few years ago, I used to get, a, they used to call it the chamber rotation at uh, North Shore and LIJ. The residents, PGY2s and 3s, they used to come to my office to rotate for a couple of weeks. And now I get MS3s from Hashra and, and from Turo, DO school, to come to my office to look at the, the way of internal medicine. First of all, primary care internal medicine. And second, how to be comfortable in private practice. I agree with you. Most of our training is done in hospitals and even the outpatient aspect of our training doesn't focus on how to run your own uh, practice. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to start this podcast. Yep. That's wonderful. And why are you a member of the NYACP currently? So I've always known that whenever physicians, as physicians, we come together, we achieve great things. So I was always, when I started my practice, I I had nothing better to do, right? I I was seeing like maybe 10 patients in a week. It was not, uh, I had plenty of time on my hands. So I became a member of the State Medical Society, started going to those meetings. And then time came along for, for the boards or whatever. Of course, at the time of the boards, you're, ex- you're exposed to MEXAP, MKSAP, and you get, if you remember, you get a discount. <laughs> so that's how I got first got <laughs> Then the fellowship of basically of fellow physicians, fellow internists, people who are in the same boat, the kind of questions that I have in my mind when I'm seeing a patient, like for example, when the, the website opened up to forums, uh, moderated forums on ACP, one of the first questions I asked in that forum was, if you have a patient who's a, I was thinking of a patient who was wheelchair bound, paraplegic, is this person at risk for DVTs? Does this person need DVT prophylaxis? Mm-hmm. And I put that question on the forum and within a few hours I had my answer. Wow. So, so, I mean, it was purely for academic reasons and then slowly it evolved into how else to take care of things and how to also sharing ideas and growing a rising tide raises all boats. So basically, so if somebody has a good idea about how to take care of patients, you can only learn about it when in the fellowship of other physicians. So that's why that's where I came. That is very true. And as I said, there's many benefits to it. Thank you for the wealth of information you have provided. And I hope that a lot of medical students and residents find this podcast helpful. Um, thank you again for taking the time to do sure. this. Sure. Thanks, Alan. I love Thank you. I love it. Thank you.